Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Here is the conditional statement that she makes with the Lord. Notice it's a condition. Anytime you have a if-then statement, it is a conditional statement. If you do this, then I'll do this. And though the storms may come, I am holding on to the Today, our scripture says, She made a vow. Hannah promised her son to the work of the Lord, vowing he would be a Nazarite from birth. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Typically, the vow of a Nazarite was taken for a short period of time. Samuel and Samson were unique because they were Nazarites from birth. Thanks for joining us today, and now we can open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 8, and follow along with Pastor Rob. And the result was a mistake. It doesn't mean that God didn't love him. We already saw that. God was going to use Ishmael and do wonderful things to him, and he had a decision to make whether to follow God or resort to evil, and we know what happened. He chose the darker path. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Husbands, Peter speaking, he says, Husbands, love your wives and dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And why? That your prayers be not hindered. That means if you don't dwell with your life, don't dwell with your wives with understanding, if you don't give honor to your wife, your prayers may be hindered. Isn't that not what it says? Why should we try and twist it and spiritualize it to mean something else? Dwell with your wives according to understanding. Elkanah wasn't doing that. And this word understanding is gnosis, which means a a, a real knowledge of her. It's where we get our word science from. But notice in verse 9, back in our text, so Hannah rose after after being in Shiloh and And going through the sacrifices, he sees her not eating, distraught. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Remember, again, this was the tabernacle that was the mobile structure. It was the same thing that Moses had erected in the desert that God had given him very specific directions for. It was a mirror, if you will, of the temple that is in glory, that is in heaven. We've been looking at that in the book of Revelation recently. 
But this is the tabernacle that Joshua set up in Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. It's the first permanent place that stayed for some time was there in Joshua after it was moved from Gilgal. And, and she was in bitterness, notice, bitterness of soul, and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. This idea of her being in bitterness was she was very discontented. She was very bitter. She was, it was very, it was heavy, very heavy. And the fact that she wept and she was in anguish, it just means that she was in deep lamentation. She was in deep lamentation. Here she's looking at Penina, you know, the one that, can you imagine the, 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 the horror of the whole thing, really? To be loved by your husband and yet not be able to produce for him the thing that he really desires, and that's to have an heir. And now Penina has beat her, beat her to the punch. Now that her kids are growing up, and she can see the way Elkanah looks at the younger boy. And yet, he, all, the, all the while, he's affirming his love for her, and she just seems to be stymied. She seems to be impotent. Can you imagine the, the difficulty of that? And then she begins to doubt even his love, perhaps. Maybe even the love of God. But she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. You know, God always responds to sincere desperation. Have you ever been in this kind of desperation? You're weeping uncontrollably. I tell you what, when you are in a complete straits, when you are at your wit's end, when you have exhausted all, res- all possible resources, when you've called your friends and they've been no help, you've tried everything and nothing helps, <laughs> you're at the end of the end, and finally you look up. God has been waiting there from the very beginning for you to look to him. But it's in desperation that he really shows up. I know this. I've experienced it myself. Having been in desperation a number of times, and many have been in greater desperation than I've ever known, but to be in desperation is a good thing because sometimes God allows it in our life to bring us to him. He allows us to feel that desperation. He hasn't abandoned you, but maybe he's allowed this in your life. Or maybe you've caused it yourself. Maybe because of circumstances and choices that you've made, you find yourself in desperation, and it was your own fault. God had nothing to do with it. He allowed it, and he knew ultimately it was going to lead you to him, which is really the best thing anyway, isn't it? Whether he orchestrated it or whether he allowed the devil to get you into some kind of situation where you finally make a mess of your life, and then you finally wake up in one day like the the prodigal son and say, you know, my father's servants have it much better than I do. At least they can eat some of the pig slop that they're getting, some of the leftovers. I'm going to go back to my father. We will finally wake up. But God always responds to desperation. Notice verse 11. We're going to spend some time in verse 11. There's so much here. Notice it says that she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, underline this. If you will, underline that phrase, if you will. If you will, indeed, look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Not just a a child, but a male. I want a son, Lord. And then underline this phrase, then I will. Those two phrases are huge. If you will, then I will. 
I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Notice that God did not require her to make a vow. I believe that God would have given her this child if she simply asked without, pre, you know, without some kind of condition attached to it. Lord, if you give me a son, then I'll do this. She might have just prayed, Lord, would you just give me a son? You know what I'm dealing with here. My husband loves me, but I can't do anything. And Penina is just continually persecuting me, making me feel horrible. Here is the conditional statement that she makes with the Lord. Notice it's a condition. Anytime you have a if-then statement, it is a conditional statement. If you do this, then I'll do this. Or it could be the other way around. God could say, if you do this, then I will do this. Conditional statements are conditional because there's a condition attached to them. And there are conditional statements and unconditional statements in the Bible. The unconditional ones are the ones that God makes that don't require anything of any of us. We see it in Genesis chapter 12 when God made the promise to Abraham. He says, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Notice the condition. The, um, there's, a, there's not even a condition. It's an unconditional statement. In other words, Abraham, you don't have to do anything about this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm informing you what I'm going to do. FYI in the email. FYI, this is what's happening. I... He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's no clause on the end of that saying, but you got to help the old lady across the street. But you got to do this. But you got to do that. you got to be a good boy. If you start messing up again, I'm going to... No, there's no condition. It's unconditional. God said it. This is what I'm going to do. End of topic, period, exclamation point. He does the same thing in Genesis chapter 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am Almighty God. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that he's Almighty God? And he says, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face. God talked to them, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. Between you and me, Abraham. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And also... I give to you and your descendants after you the land on which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting covenant possession, and I will be their God. Notice. But this condition of Hannah's was conditional. Lord, if you will give me this, then I will do this. And sometimes... I can't blame Hannah because in desperation, sometimes we make rash vows. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 21, it says, When you make a vow to the Lord, you shall not delay to repay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. 
But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone forth from your lips, you shall keep and you perform. For you voluntarily vowed it to the Lord your God, what you have promised with your mouth. In other words, that's why Jesus would say it's better that you don't make a vow. I don't think she needed to make a vow, but in desperation, that's what we do, because we'll do anything. Lord, if you will just do this, please, I'll do anything. I remember when I was 21 years old, there was a, a, a 26th annual Young Artist Competition. And I was a, a classical guitar player, and I was up against pianists from all around Southwest Florida. And it was a competition, it was a concerto competition, and so I was up against violinists, uh, you name it, every instrument, cellists, violinists, pianists, singers. And I was the only guitarist in the history of the competition to be so brave to enter this thing. So I do. I enter it, play the concerto on the guitar. I went up winning. And I remember beforehand, I did, I prayed this. And I, wasn't even, I didn't even know the Lord at the time. And I meant it. But I didn't know what it would mean for me. And I told the Lord, and this is a true story. I said to the Lord, Lord, if you would allow, it meant a lot to me. I said, if you'd allow me to win this competition, I'll give my heart to you. And guess what? The Lord allowed me to win the competition. But guess what? I went on my merry own way with the cash prize and all that. About four or five years later, about four years later, I didn't know it at the time, but the Lord got his way because he crushed me like a grape. In his love, by his grace, I didn't even remember that until afterwards. After I got saved and I realized how great the Lord was, he, he, he made sure that I followed through on my end of the deal. And here I am. But it was a conditional statement. Lord, if you will do this, then I will give my heart to you. And I can almost see the Spirit of God God the Father going, <laughs> watch this. No one's ever won this competition on the guitar. I mean, the guitar is like a taboo instrument. I mean, you've got all these long hairs, and these people are like, mm, let's hear this performance. And I did. And won. And I bet the Lord just going, just wait to see what happens next. And then I go my merry own way, committing my fornication, all my adultery, having my own fun after that. And then the Lord has his way, doesn't he? He always has his way. I'm so glad he had his way. And I pray that he's continuing to get his way. But I bring that up because that's a real thing that happens. We make these in desperation when we really want something. We make outlandish promises. We know Jephthah was known for his promise, his rash vow that he made to the Lord. Lord, if you'll give me the the victory over over the enemy, I'll give you the first thing that comes out of my door. And it's his only, only daughter that comes out. And he's like, oh, why couldn't it have been the dog? Why couldn't it have been Spot? Why did it have to be my beautiful daughter, my only daughter? He makes the vow. In Ecclesiastes 5, it says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to repay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and to not pay. And Jesus even says, you know, in Matthew 5, You've heard it said that of, of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all. 
neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstep, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything other than that comes from the evil one. (laughs) But God sometimes uses conditional promises. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we see God giving to Israel a conditional promise. And I'll just look at the first three verses of Deuteronomy 28. It shall come to pass, God says, he's speaking to the nation now before they go into the promised land. If you diligently, if, notice, whenever you see an if-then statement, it's a, a conditional statement. If you will diligently, excuse me, obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God, this is what he will do. That the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I love that. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall be you in the country. And he goes on and on and on. A list of blessings. And then he finally gets down to the 15th verse. And then it also says this. But if, there it is. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. And actually it goes on for some time of all the curses. It's quite a bit more than the blessings. These are things you can look for. Conditions. Conditions. But Hannah makes this conditional statement. She says, finally says to the Lord in verse 11 there, look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me, Lord. Don't forget me. And I can just imagine the Lord looking down upon this woman and saying, you know what, Hannah, I love you so much. You have no idea. I love Penina too. She's got some issues. But I love you. Didn't didn't God say that to Jeremiah when the children of Israel were in In their captivity, he would say, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I believe he's saying that to Hannah at this time. Don't you know I love you? Don't you know I've got a plan for your life? In Isaiah 49, it says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they, they may forget, yet I, I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. God cannot forget. He knows what you're going through. And all the strife and the struggle she went through with Penina, feeling downcast. And then she has the audacity to say this statement, If you give me a child, I will give him back to you. Is this not worship? Is this not sacrifice? The one thing that she wanted more than anything else, to be finally accepted of her husband, to no longer have the shame of being a barren woman in that culture. And then she says, if you give me a child, I'll give him right back to you. And I can imagine the Lord just going, I love this woman. Amazing, amazing faith. And amazing worship. You know, I think the Lord gets giddy when something hilarious like this happens, where we really worship. Singing is easy sometimes, but worshiping like this, very, very rare. 
I'll give him back to you, Lord. It's the only thing I want. My whole existence is based on this. I, I want it so bad. And the Lord's just going, you're going to give him back? Notice that the Lord took her up on this. Not only would she grow in her worship of God, but guess what? God would get a man who would perhaps be one of the greatest examples to Eli and his two corrupt sons. Indeed, Israel needed Samuel at this time in its history, a man who had a stellar, a sterling reputation, a heart that was just bent toward God. There was no, no changing him. He loved God with all of his heart. He'd, willing, he'd rather do anything. He'd do anything for the Lord. Notice that she said, I will give him to the Lord till the days, all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Basically what she's saying is, I will put place upon him the Nazarite vow, and we won't spend time going into that. But in Numbers chapter 6, it talks about what a person who undergoes the Nazarite vow, and I'll just summarize it really quickly. They were to separate themselves from wine and similar drink. They wouldn't drink any beverage that had anything to do with raisins or, or wine or anything related to grapes whatsoever. They wouldn't shave their head, and they wouldn't go near a dead body. They were completely consecrated, set apart, separated unto God. We see that same thing happening with John the Baptist. We saw the same thing with Samson. They took a Nazarite vow. And so Hannah says, I will give him to you, Lord, and he is going to undergo this rite And it happened as she continued praying, verse 12, before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. So there he is sitting there by the the doorpost of the tabernacle. And Eli watched her mouth. And now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. And aren't you glad that the Lord hears what you are saying in your heart, even though your voice is not audible? I think sometimes those are the sweetest prayers to God. And we can be ourselves. We don't have to flower it. We don't have to worry about how we sound to God. You don't have to, you don't have to pray in 17th century English. Oh God, thy great, thy great king above, come upon thine humble servant and blessest thou me with endued power. I can almost see the Lord going, oh. Man, I'd rather just somebody said, you know, thanks, Lord. Genuine. He sees her moving her mouth, thinking that she's been drinking. Your prayers don't need to be heard out loud for the Lord to hear and answer them. Paul exhorts us to rejoice always, but to pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. Do that, folks. Do that. As you're driving your car and you're thanking him for all that he's done, have an attitude of thanksgiving. Praise him. Worship him all the time. Pray always. You can keep your eyes open. You don't have to drive your car by faith. You don't have to close your eyes on 490 at rush hour. Keep your eyes open for heaven's sakes. For the love of God, will you keep your eyes open? But pray. (laughs) Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart and Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drinking. What an observant guy. Assuming the worst. Maybe it's possible that this is the first time he saw somebody in a really desperate state. 
out of all the time that he's been high priest, he's sitting there watching people come in and out, come in and out, just doing their devotion, putting the money in the bag and doing whatever they do. And maybe he hasn't seen someone like this in a long time who was really, truly desperate. And isn't it true? It, it really makes, oftentimes it's a spectacle. Remember when we were, this last Sunday night, we were talking about Psalm 40, how David says, the Lord put a new song in my heart. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.